Welcome to the Faith Element Podcast for the January 28, 2024 session, focusing on 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 1 through 13. Food Fight. I'm David Cassidy. I'm Nikki Hardiman. I'm Crystal Shepard. And I'm Daniel Glaze. Wow, Food Fight. That's a whole nother conversation right there that might take <laughs> us all back. Either youth camp a church choir event, or middle school. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) But before we go there, I wonder, when has someone's care and encouragement made a difference in your life? Someone's care and encouragement. I don't want to embarrass her, but Nikki is a wonderful encourager. And it comes out through her telling of stories. She just tells these stories that just driving around Atlanta or something, she finds people. And it's just, it's like chicken soup for the soul, y'all. So <laughs> she's, she, it's an incredible <laughs> encouragement to me. <laughs> Dear listeners, so before the podcast started, <laughs> we were telling stories, and Nikki told some stories that we won't share with you, but they were very funny. <laughs> So we're all in a wonderful mood right now. So now that's why we're giggling at what Daniel said. We do believe Nikki's encouraging. Yes, I do have to. I hope Bert listens to this because Bert actually encouraged me several years ago. I had an independent study with a a professor who pretty much eviscerated my writing. And I was really into writing at the time. And so after that happened, I confided in Bert and he was has always been very encouraging of my writing to the point I was not going to write anymore. And he really pushed me to reconsider that because he said it was one person's opinion. And I did that. And then I was going through old papers on December 31st. I was cleaning out some old seminary notes and notes from college and things like that. And I found my papers from this class and I found some written notes from the professor. And through my friend Sarah and Bert's encouragement, I burned those on Christmas Eve. And it was so nice. It was so freeing. And I just appreciate that encouragement that I got from him and from my friend Sarah, because it just, it helped me to let go of like frustration and feel better about myself. God, there's so many stories of when people have encouraged me. Daniel's very good at it in the way that he just calls attention to, no, I'm just kidding. I have ADHD. I'm, that's just, and so school was never enjoyable to me. It was always a chore until college. And my second year in college, I found some stuff I really enjoyed studying and working on. And I took a class in my Christianity degree. It was a heavy writing class, which made me nervous because I never felt like that was my strong suit. And after that class, my professor nominated me for a writing award. Mm -hmm. Now, if you had asked anybody in my family if I would get an award for writing, They'd say she is so gifted and talented. She'll get awards for a lot of things, but it's not going to be writing. (laughs) And I actually ended up getting the award and it completely changed my academic experience. It gave me a confidence in writing. And now I work at an academic institution. And I was the last one in my family that you would have thought would have gone that route. His encouragement changed the trajectory of my life in a lot of ways. Mm. So 
It's amazing how powerful a blessing can Mm be. Yeah. Yeah. For me, I was in my, oh gosh, late 30s maybe. And I started dabbling in photography. And I can't even remember the exact chain of events, but it was discovered that I was enjoying photography. And the church we were attending at the time in Georgia needed someone to take pictures and do a slideshow for an event, children's event. So I did that. And I got a lot of affirmation out of it and enjoyed doing it. And then started being asked to do other things that had to do with media and creating things, which honestly was what led to the whole idea of me starting Faith Lab. Wow. <laughs> was mm-hmm. the, that encouragement started that rabbit hole journey and mm-hmm. learning more about it and starting to think, what does it mean for congregations and churches to do this better? And what does that look like? And how could we help? And had I not gotten that kind of encouragement, I don't know if we'd be doing this podcast right now wow. because all of it started mm-hmm. back there. <clears throat> yeah. So you never know at what age or stage mm-hmm. in life encouragement will make a difference. I hope, dear listeners, you've had someone in your life that has encouraged you along in ways that really have made a difference. So anyway, back to food fights. Daniel, help us understand the title in relation to this interesting text. I'll do my best. So the book of 1 Corinthians seems to be concerned primarily about how we as followers of Christ should act towards and love one another. Specifically, we are held to a higher standard of ethics as we represent Christ and live in this world. And we do so best, Paul says in his letter, by committing ourselves to love. In 1 Corinthians 8, the chapter we're studying today, the theme of love continues. But the context here, as David mentioned, is a food fight. So let's take a closer look. See, in the ancient world, one would often worship by sacrificing an animal perhaps a goat or bull or bird or a ram, and then give that sacrifice as an offering before the idols. However, as you might imagine, these idols were never quite that hungry, so the meat was not consumed. Then the priests would often take the meat, have a few meals themselves, and take the rest of the local butcher to be sold as a way to support the temple. And this was good meat, mind you. After all, you wouldn't sacrifice a mediocre animal to the idols. You brought your best. This practice caused a bit of consternation among some of the Christians in Corinth, Christians new to the faith. They didn't want to purchase or eat meat that had been sacrificed to idols. They had recently come to faith in Christ. They had been clothed with Christ, so to speak. They took the new faith seriously, and they weren't about to go back to their old idolatrous ways. They thought the meat was tainted not by bacteria, but by evil spirits. So some Christians in Corinth abhorred this practice. But there were some other Christians in Corinth, older, wiser, more mature Christians, who knew all this idol meat business was silly. They said, look, there's only one true God. So what if this meat is offered to idols? Those idols don't even exist. The meat is fine. Food is food. They said, and we don't waste food. They didn't see what the big deal was. So when they came to the annual Corinthian church picnic on the grounds with Tupperware full of tender pot roast made with sacrificed meat, this hurt the newer Christians. How can we eat that? But the more mature Christians who knew better, they had been Christians longer, they just rolled their eyes and said, you're being silly. The food is fine. So this was the situation. What should they do? 
The mature Christians wrote Paul a letter, trying to pull him over to their side. Paul, please, they wrote, tell those simple-minded baby Christians there's nothing wrong with the temple meat. Tell them they're being stupid. So Paul wrote back. But he, but in, he did not address his letter to the newer Christians who were ill-informed, but to the mature Christians who were right. Paul says, you know you're right, I know you're right, but you're still wrong. It's pretty clear that Paul agrees with the mature Christians about the meat. They had matured in their faith, so they knew the meat was fine. No matter, Paul says, that's all beside the point. True understanding is not just knowing what's right. It's knowing how it affects other people. Paul continues, listen, I love a good temple barbecue sandwich as much as the next. It's one of my favorite meals. But if that causes someone else to stumble, if that causes someone to question their own faith or mine, then I've had my last barbecue sandwich. For people of faith, love is not about being right. It's about doing the right thing. Love is what makes the difference. Yes, Bible study is important. Yes, being generous is important. Yes, learning about the faith is important. But if we puff ourselves up with all we know and refuse to love, then we haven't learned a thing. If we sing our praises to God in the sanctuary and turn right around and speak ugly to the waitress at lunch, we have not learned a thing. What did Jesus tell us? By this they will know you are my followers if you have love for one another. That means that we can be as right as rain, but if we don't have love, we're dead wrong. I think that's why Paul writes just a couple chapters later, faith, hope, and love abide, but the greatest of these is love. And that's a little background on our text for today. Ooh, Daniel. I think that's a word for today. Mm-hmm. That it's not about being right. You may be right. Thank you. But yeah. But if you're not loving. <laughs> that, yeah, that if that being right isn't the end goal. Mm-hmm. And I know many people, myself included at times, that need to hear being right ain't all it about. Yeah, mm-hmm. I pulled out my ain't for that. Because we're told a lot as well it, that it's about being right. There's there's a whole, you can tell this is not where I chose to concentrate my academic career, but there's a whole discipline of Christianity called apologetics, which is defense of the faith and having the right answer and being right. Right. And I'm sorry, that's just not, this text says that is not where we need to concentrate our efforts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm not interested in that at all. Mm-mm. And especially when it comes to faith, because trying to be right, and I'll do that. Listen, you talk to my daddy. He always said, Nikki, she would argue with a fence post and slap it for not <laughs> arguing back. And that is certainly true. I love a good debate. Oh, and if you like to debate, call me up. I'll do it with you because it's fun. But when it gets mean, or when it gets about being right for the sake of being right, it stops being fun and it stops being, it stops being helpful. It stops mm-hmm. being an intellectual exercise and it starts being mean. Because a debate has two sides to it. That's right. And a good you, debate is, I need to listen to you. That's right. 
this is not that. This is, we're right. Paul, tell them we're right. Tell them. Shut it down. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's not and helpful it, for anybody. And at the end of the day, when that is what we're trying to do, we just want it to be right. It's not about even helping the other person, right? It's not about helping them to see something that improves their life. It's about being right. And that's not what we're about. Mm-mm. supposed to be about. I think it it's helpful to think about it in in how we deal with our brothers and sisters in Christ because there's a lot of I'm right there wrong that in in that goes around in whether you're conservative or liberal or moderate or so I think being able to find our commonalities would be helpful. Mm-hmm. And I, again, I'm with Nikki, I'm not always about that. <laughs> and I think too, part of that idea of being right is also a superiority thing yes. um, that I, I have this inside track and I'm better than you because mm-hmm. I'm right. Mm-hmm. And I see that across the board, not just in religious circles, but in all sorts of issues that are out there. And if we could find our commonality and truly like Daniel says, love one another and come at it from a place of genuine care and concern for the other person sitting across from us instead of trying to prove them wrong. I think that would go a long way to making the world a more peaceful place. Yeah. And this is, I think this is a word, and, and I, I, I want to be very clear, this is a word that hits me squarely between the eyes because I have a little bit of this in me. I feel strongly about the things I feel strongly about, and I'm going to make my best case. Mm-hmm. But if I'm honest, this isn't about conservative versus progressive or anybody's better or worse at this because, listen, they're fundamentalists all over the place and about mm-hmm. everything. Mm-hmm. And it's, I think this is one where we each can take a step back and ask ourselves, truly ask ourselves, what is my goal here? Is it to have a conversation and to express love or am I trying to be right? Mm-hmm. And if it's the latter, it's clear we're just missing things. And I, so I about included, I just, was just about to include this in my Bible background, but it was long enough. So I figured I'd tell the story as we were sharing here. But I don't know why, but for some reason, when I was writing about this, this older gentleman from the first church I served right out of seminary, it was in Frankfort, Kentucky, this older gentleman came to mind. Can't even remember his name, which I'm sorry about, but, and I don't remember him ever speaking. He was so quiet. And before every worship service, he would walk up and down the aisles with a basket full of peppermints and he would distribute them. He would just not saying a word, but just hand them out and everybody would take a peppermint. And he always served the children first. And if you smiled or gave him a wink, He'd linger there and you could take a couple. <laughs> it's, on the one hand, you say that's silly. That's, he handed out a dollar's worth of peppermints. But it didn't matter your age, race, gender, wealth, whether you were visiting, you'd been there 50 years. He gave you a peppermint because he cared about you as a person. It wasn't about anything else other than love. And... I still, I cannot remember his name. I can't remember him ever speaking, 
but I remember what he did. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I love that story because it's heartwarming to me, but it's also challenging to me. Because I don't know that I do that as well as he did. Boy, Daniel, that really hit me square, like <laughs> in between the eyes, because I just think about like how often am I so loud in um, my what I express and that maybe for us, one of the best ways we can love people is to be quiet and to give, <laughs> just to get, just to give, you know what I'm saying? Not, I think there's a time to be loud maybe, but I think maybe, wow, like that's a beautiful story. What a wonderful human being to just love in that way. Thank you for sharing that. That's going to stick with Mm me. I I think that's, that's beautiful. We had a gentleman in my church and he didn't hand it out to everybody, but we called him the candy man. (laughs) And it wasn't creepy. He was a cool dude. (laughs) He was a cool dude. We were kids. We called him the candy man because he kept candy in his pocket and -hmm. the kids could come up and get a piece and they didn't have to do anything for it just they came and look you came and looked at him and he'd reach in his pocket pull out a little piece of candy and he was one of my favorite people at that Mm -hmm. church and more than anything it was the consistency Mm. every Sunday he had candy in his pocket it didn't matter and it was always going to be there and you could trust it Mm -hmm. and I think there's something about being able to trust in one another that increases our love. And it's really hard to trust somebody when their only interest is being right. But was his doctrine correct? <laughs> right. No, I imagine today he and I wouldn't agree on much of anything. Isn't that something? <laughs> but I still think he's a saint. Yep. Mm. Yes. He yeah. is a saint. Yes, because when, when you list all the important things, being right is at the bottom. It's at the bottom. Exactly. <laughs> That's right. He got love right. And mm-hmm. if you can get that right, everything else is going to fall into place. And, and, and let me be clear. I don't, I have a gift for stating the obvious, but it, <laughs> it doesn't mean theology is unimportant. It doesn't mean doctrine is unimportant that, hey, we can believe whatever we want to believe. And But it mm-hmm. it does mean that our our quest for knowledge and understanding must always be supported by love. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I took us off track. No. Where were we? No, no, Daniel, you were talking about um, like it. We can have doc- the doctrine and theology are important, but that lo- it needs to be undergirded, I guess, with love. And I wonder if we come from that place, how that transforms our doctrine and theology. Mm-hmm. That's a good word, Chris. Wow. Oh. Yes. So, you know, it, it takes us from a different place. It, it takes us to a different place. Mm-hmm. It's like it says in, what is it, verse 1, knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. Mm-hmm. Knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. I was just going to say, I know some puffy people. Well, and I really like this idea of, I think with, it builds community. And I think it bridges a gap that's there. Like you all were saying, Nikki, you said you probably wouldn't agree with this person at this point. Oh, I'm sure. About a lot of things, but like the connection that you would have in love with this person. Yes. Yeah, I think is important for us to remember no matter what side of of things we find ourselves mm-hmm. on. Yeah. I have a, a good friend who has been a longtime Sunday school teacher. 
and is also seminary graduate, knows this stuff. And he told me at one time about someone who had joined their class and was regular, but that disagreed with him on certain things and would do so in the class. And and he was like, he doesn't expect everyone to agree with everything he teaches or even mm-hmm. believes that, that each person can have a difference there. It ended up that, that the relationship started being strained, that the difference of opinion was strong enough that they were having trouble getting along. And the Sunday school teacher friend of mine invited this guy out for lunch. And they met over the table and talked. And the other guy went on into, again, he just couldn't handle. He said, I don't understand how you believe this way. I don't understand how you can think like this. And my friend said to him, I'll believe whatever you want if it allows us to continue to be in relationship with one another. Which the other fellow, I don't think, knew what to say to. (laughs) (laughs) And obviously, my friend has his own convictions and isn't just going to believe anything under the sun. But his point, I think, was so well taken that the most important thing at that table right then was for them to be in relationship with each other. Not that they had to agree with each other. And what a wonderful way to punctuate that. And really, this wonderful conversation we've been having on this text, which couldn't be more relevant for the world in which we live, <laughs> where there's everything in the world is, is an argument in choosing sides. Maybe the best thing to do is choose the side of love and care and encouragement. Because as we shared early in the podcast, those encouragements and that love that we share with one another in community can change entire trajectories of lives. Mm-hmm. They're more powerful than we can imagine. Yeah. Thank you all for sharing your stories today and for this good conversation. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you. Learn more about our Faith Element Bible study curriculum at faithelement.net. Faith Element is a service of Faith Lab.